0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Park Report podcast, a special episode here. We have our good friend Mike Portnoy back to the show. How are you doing, Mike?
1: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, Mike is uh, coming off. If You've been following socials, recovering from from COVID. He he got hit with the
1: vid. Yeah, Uh, I I dodged it for two years, but it finally found me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just in time before, a whole bunch of stuff is coming your way. So uh, as we're recording this, uh, we are pre-transatlantic tour, pre-Morse Fest, pre-cruise to the edge. So a lot coming down, and we'll talk about some of that stuff. Uh, also joining Jeff Bailey.
2: Hi, everybody.
0: And Prognick from South Africa. How are you doing, guys? Good hey, evening, everybody.
3: It's nighttime time over here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, yeah, have lots to cover, Mike. Um, before we get started, which uh, our topic is albums that are turning fifty in. 2022 of course albums that came out in 1972 which is sort of peak prog right there 72 73 that those kind of years i mean just album after album that are I- iconic and legendary from a number of bands so we each pick 3 we're going to talk about and uh you know just highlight some some of these amazing records that we all still listen to and have you know paved the way for everything else that came after it's pretty cool to look back on some of these records and Think about they're 50 years old, which is crazy, you know, Um, but let's talk a little bit about what's going on in your world. Uh, So you got Transatlantic, uh, the North America tour first. And then uh, I guess that follows up with Morse Fest uh, where Transatlantic is playing, which is very cool. And then Cruise to the Edge. So what how are you preparing? You know, talk about all that.
1: Uh, I've been preparing by sitting in my basement, quarantining for about a week. <laughs> That's a good way to learn the music, right? Yeah. Uh, no, we we uh, we're looking forward to it. I mean, it's been a long time coming, waiting for this transatlantic tour. You know, we didn't even know if we would tour off the Absolute Universe being. We we started it before COVID, 2019 BC, as I like to call it, before COVID. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, and then obviously we made it during. T- through the 2020, finally came out in 2021, but you know there was no um, there was no guarantee that we would ever get to play shows for this. So I'm glad that here we are finally, 2022. You know, able to do it, and it's not obviously as extensive as anybody would like. I know we would like it. We wish it more extensive. I know the fans wished it would be more extensive, but it is what it is. You know, we were able to align our schedules. You know, Pete's got stuff with Marillion. royna has got stuff with Flower Kings. Neil and I have stuff with NMB. So these were the only dates we could kind of fit together and make happen. So uh, it'll be short, but definitely sweet. We'll be doing the whole absolute universe. Obviously, we're going to do the ultimate version, uh, the one that's on the, the Blu-ray, which is a combination of both you know, versions, Breath of nice. Life and Forevermore. Yep. And uh, it'll be an evening with with two sets and an intermission. So it'll be a very long evening with. And Absolute Universe will be one set, and then the, the rest of the show will be all the rest of the stuff, you know, from the catalog and all the, wow. the pre- previous 20-plus years. And, uh yeah, and so we got, like, seven shows in North America, uh, Philly, New Jersey, Quebec, Montreal, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco. Then we go to Morse Fest. We do two nights at Morse Fest um, uh, doing the Absolute Universe one night the entire whirlwind another night and then all miscellaneous stuff mixed in for both nights as well and all the bells and whistles with the strings and the choir and all the usual Morse Fest stuff and then we uh cap it off at Cruise to the Edge that's very cool more is never enough yeah that's plenty of
0: transatlantic you cover you're covering a lot and and uh making it available to a lot of people so that's very cool
1: yeah yeah we're looking forward to it it's been uh eight years since we've last toured yeah, well, and uh wow. 2014. Yeah. and uh, who knows if and when it'll happen again i mean maybe maybe it will maybe it won't but there's no guarantees in this world to, as we've we've been learning more and more as the years go on so uh we're, we're just trying to uh seize the day and 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 get to play together again while we can
0: yeah pop
1: yeah absolutely how was uh the
0: nmb tour how'd that go off for you guys can you know learning how to do with all the protocols and you guys still did meet and greets and stuff so how was that
1: uh well first first of all it was great to be playing and touring again you know it it was my first tour for two years i guess it was all of our first tour for two years so just to be on stage and playing for people again was really amazing and satisfying excuse me but um yeah, it went great. You know, it was uh, smaller shows. You know, I think everybody's still a little gun shy, at least here in the States. So, uh, you know, it's been weird getting back out and getting people to to feel comfortable coming back out. But for the people that did, it was absolutely uh, a magical show. You know, just such a great band and the music, you know, getting to play all the Innocence and Danger stuff was great. So, yeah. So fingers crossed uh, Europe happens because we're supposed to be doing Europe with both NMB in may and june and with transatlantic in july so uh that's next on the horizon for both neil and i um two european tours with both bands fingers crossed everything goes without a hitch you know i'm not sure how the protocols are going to be by by then but hopefully it'll it'll still happen
0: that's cool are those back to back do you stay in europe no uh no
1: yeah and july yeah nmb is may and june Then we come home for a few weeks and then go back for transatlantic towards the end of july and i actually have something that's going to take place in the middle that hasn't been announced yet as well with somebody entirely different so yeah uh looking to make up for lost time on the road you know it's been a long time sitting home and then for me i also have sons of apollo in south Mm -hmm. america in august and then i have metal allegiance at rock and rio in september so if all goes without a hitch, uh, I should be spending most of this year back on the road, which is where I belong. I can't I can't sit in this basement any longer.
2: <laughs> it was nice
1: for a few weeks, maybe even a few months, but not a few years. You know. Yeah, that's uh,
2: you know, no, it's that's fu- it's funny looking back at all the you know the stuff that social media flashes up, you know, and you know how we thought it was going to be a couple of weeks on my word, you know.
1: Yeah, incredible. Yeah. So, um,
3: yeah, well, the world is not right without you touring in it,
1: Mike. So uh, things so- are slowly
0: getting, getting back to normal.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah.
0: Uh, cool. So you guys want to get started on the uh, thing? Unless uh, Jeff or Nick, if you guys had any other questions, I, I, I should have uh, opened the floor a little bit. Well, just
3: just you heard it here first that there's another project, um, but we're not going to press you on that, Mike. Not, <laughs> well, that, You not know I'm... we're going to
1: get a million questions about it, right? Well, <laughs> It's not a project. It's uh well, I can't even say anything. But it's not at all Prague. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't even know if it'll appeal to anybody that follows the Prague Report. Just, <laughs> just something interesting and new and different for me that I was asked to do. So we'll see.
0: Nice, cool. Right, that's great. That's very cool. Exciting. Uh, yeah, album
2: of standards. <laughs> the, the great American. Well, like Mark Mark Tremonti Mike, Mike did Frank Portnoy.
0: Sinatra, right? So there, you never, you know, you never. Well, know. Mike Portnoy
3: takes out his violin.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so basically, um, we just compiled the list of uh, a lot of the albums that came out in 72 and uh, sort of cherry-picked which albums we all kind of want to bring up, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, Mike, you you have uh, your three – so what if we – we'll each go, you know, one at a time and go around in circle, and, you know, that like we always do. Why don't you go first, Mike, with, uh, you know, your first pick?
1: Would you mind – would you mind if I went last? Oh no, totally. Because I I, I, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling my number one is probably going to be something that would have been on everybody's list. So maybe it might probably, be more probably cli- the
0: biggest, more, climatic, more climactic, more climactic. Sure, maybe. okay, Jeff. Why, you, why don't you go if for you first? don't mind? Absolutely.
2: Okay, uh, um, so I, I'm starting with, uh, yeah, is it Prague? Is it not Prague? Steely Dan, um, "Camp by a Thrill," and. Part of my probably last three or four months has been Steely Dan are a band that I've really ever much listened to apart from the famous stuff and um, a friend kind of turned me on to some of Rick Beato's videos, uh, you know his kind of what makes this song great stuff and I started digging into the catalog and it was re- it's been really fun um, to actually like take the first album and listen to the first album for a few weeks and then get the second album and listen to the second album for a few weeks. Um, because, you know, we've streaming, we've every, every, but I've been very, very disciplined about this, but the first album, uh, you know, debut album, you know, fun stuff about it, uh, you know, recorded in August, 1972, released in November, 1972, you know, when we're now in the world where, <laughs> you know, you know, an album has to be about well, six months to get vinyl made, uh, but back in the day, you know, they could finish recording it and, and have it in the shops, you know, three or four months later, um, you know, like probably a lot of these albums it features on many people's greatest albums, lists of all time. And I suppose, you know, an album like this landing in a time where, uh, forgive the generalization, but I suppose a, a lot of, a lot of the American music that was kind of popular then would have been that kind of boogie, you know, the can Leonard Skinner, Allman brothers. Um, and this album comes, you know, from a brand new band, it's incredibly fully formed album, um, and a very, very diverse album, obviously Donald Fagan, Walter Becker, and, and a large input by Gary Katz, um, you know, and, and songs that most people know, like, you know, do it again, which has, uh, you know, that Latin rhythm, um, that runs through it. And, you know, right from the off, you know, Fagan's lyrics about, uh, you know, um, you know, stealing someone's water, and then, uh, you know, you a guy steals your water, and so you kill him, and then you, you know, you escape to the border, and then you get captured and put in jail, and then you get set free, all in the space of a couple of verses. <laughs> the other classic, obviously, reeling in the years. Um, Elliot. Oh wow, Randall's, those
0: are on that record. I'm not familiar. Yeah, I mean, I know those songs. Yeah. Obviously, they're huge. But in I Elliot Randall's
2: brilliant guitar, um, you know that that really lifts all of that, uh, are brilliant arrangements. Um, you know, just, just really an absolutely fantastic album. And just one that I kept listening to again and again and again, and go, I, I on earth have I missed this after, after all those years.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Good That's... choice. Right I mean, album. I'm, yeah. I'm not a big Steely Dan fan. I, uh, I'll admit, but you, you know, you grow up, there's no way to not know those songs this kind of rock radio and there's
2: lots of i mean i only talked about those two because i guess most people are familiar with but the whole thing is is really full of really um really excellent stuff and there's kind of i mean it's you know it's got three or four different singers in it it's a real it's a real sort of variety of 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 different sounds and and stuff going on yeah good album terrible cover but um yeah right
0: uh okay nick what's yours okay well guys
3: 1972 was such a bumper year. <laughs> I
0: mean, oh,
3: wow. Yeah, how, you? How, how many could, could I pull out? Um, you know, of course, I, I've got them all on vinyl. But I, I was just a whippersnapper. I was 14 years old in 1972. But, man, did that year change my life forever. You know, everybody was kind of into the Beatles, and... Um, I wasn't so much. I was, uh, I was kind of into the monkeys and then gradually got into the Beatles. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, one day, and I, I don't want to blow anybody else's um, moment here. So I'm not going to mention album names. But somebody brought um, the premier metal band's album of that year. And that, that just changed my life forever. Um, so uh, it, it was a landmark year, both for Prague and for rock. And I think we're unlikely to ever see that, that uh, a year like that again, Um, such a list of great albums, but uh, we can only do a few. So I'm going to start off with an album that possibly might be a surprise to everybody, but for me was pretty, pretty groundbreaking and um, uh, changed my, my perception of, of, of what rock music could be at the time, which is Santana's Caravanserai which was released in october of that year now um up until this point santana had had been a little bit more commercial sure that that had all the all the latin polyrhythms going on and all that but there were lineup changes and carlos decided in in that year that that he was going to go far more experimental and um he did so with caravanserai which which really was a surprise to the market. Even the label said to him, this is career suicide. This is madness. Why are you doing this? <laughs> You've got one of the biggest bands in the world. You've got hits all over the place. Are you are, are you nuts? But Carlos turned out to be right because it was a moderate commercial success. It's true that their popularity declined after Caravanserai, but the album itself just was a real statement for the band. Um, you know, Jose Chipito Arias um, uh, on, on percussion, and of, and of course, uh, the great Greg Rowley on keyboards, and um, with, without a doubt, one of the greatest drummers of all time, Michael Shreve, and I'm sure you'll agree, Mike, um, who not only drummed on the album on KIT, but, but also uh, produced it. It's it's a wonderful plethora of jazz rock melded with uh, Latin, melded melded with Carlos's unique guitar sound, kind of jazzy. It, it had a freedom to it and a, and a complexity to it that they'd never had before. Um, and for me, it's just a wonderful album and will always be one of those landmark albums of my youth, Caravan Sarai by Santana. Nice.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Nice choice, man. Um, but that one doesn't have like a famous, famous Santana song, right? That's sort of what, it, what it's... Yeah, about.
3: no, the, I, I mean, it, it's, it's got a hectically complex um, uh, instrumental called La Fuente del Ritmo, um, which is short, but very complex. Um, Mike, you'll have got your head around those time signatures, but um, it, it, weirdly, most of the album was instrumental, but and there were only two right. songs on it, as I recall, which had vocals, um, all the love of the universe being one and stone Flower being the other neither of which were were big hits Greg um, Raleigh
1: greg Raleigh sang i assume
2: yes yeah. i think
1: that's right yeah yeah,
2: yeah. cool. And who did who did michael shreve go on to play with he i, can't, I, can't quite I, remember I he it. did
1: a i think he did an well, album with uh sammy Hagar and well, that's,
2: uh, <laughs> that's the one that i remember i yeah, remember it.
1: But I I, I don't know mu- I don't know much beyond Santana. Obviously, that drum solo from Soul Sacrifice, especially at Woodstock, you know, yeah. was, was such yeah. a, a iconic drum solo for the time. Uh, but I don't know w- m- what he's done much beyond Santana to be honest. Yeah,
2: yeah. Was Hager? wasn't Hagar Sean, Aronson and Shreve. Exactly. H- yeah. Oh, oh wow.
1: yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, all right, so, and of course, Sean then
3: went on to, to form Journey after this album.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, so my first one of the three, uh, it, it's actually a twofer. So uh, so Gentle Giant, uh, you know, one of the big Prague bands of, of that era, uh, actually put out two records in 72. Um, the first being Three Friends, uh, which uh, came out April 14th. And uh, it features songs like "Peel the Paint," uh, "School Days," and, and some other ones that said a lot of people know. Um, and then a few months later, in December, December first, uh, came out with the fourth record, Octopus, which um, you know maybe the most critically acclaimed uh, of their records. Uh, you know, remixed by Stephen Wilson just a few years ago, and uh, you know, last uh, album with uh, Phil Shulman. Um a bit more of a rock record I mean it's it's a tough record for me to kind of get into I mean I know it's supposed to be one of the one of the big records of that era I admittedly I struggle with a lot of gentle giant stuff Um, you know for me I think power and the glory is maybe the one that I like the most but um, but there's a lot of good stuff on this record you know Uh, avenge of uh, Panurge, think of me with kindness is a nice ballad Um, and uh, oh cry for everyone is actually a good song that I like a lot in that record too um, where are you guys on, on these records? Which one do you like better? Uh, you know, three oh, friends or I, I friends? love
3: three friends. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a great, it, it's a great progressive album, truly progressive in the real sense of the word. Uh, and of course the gentle giant harmonies that, that have become uh, a centerpiece of a lot of what Neil does, for example, with my, um, yeah, sem- seminal album from a seminal band.
2: Yeah octopus was the first one that i that i got because it looked like a yes album i think it yeah. was the reason i bought that one right. First. <laughs> right. right exactly the, well, they, well i Europe... think it
1: had two different covers but one, did, one of yeah, them was they... a roger dean one yeah,
2: yeah that's right the other one was like an octopus in a jar or something horrible like that was it <laughs> But it's, you know, it's kind of funny. I was thinking, you know, if you could think of the antithesis of Santana, it's probably Gentle Giant because yeah. one is couldn't be more American and the other one couldn't be more uh, uh, European, I suppose, in, in terms of the music, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I do. I go through phases of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, I enjoy their music, but it's also probably one of the very few things that when I put it on at home, it's like... Can you turn that off, please? <laughs> <laughs> really? And I can see how it can be annoying to some people in a way that maybe other other music isn't.
3: This from a man who's going through a King Crimson phase. Come on, dude.
2: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I get it. No, but yeah. The... Yeah.
0: It's it's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's extremely complicated and and written brilliantly, but it's it just never. I don't want to say never. That's not really fair, but they don't often hit just a regular chorus, you know what I mean? And sometimes you just like, yeah. hey, can we just bring in Neil to just, you know, put a chorus in the song, please? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. But anyway, listen, uh, you know, seminal albums and important ones to bring up. So uh, Mike, your first one.
1: Uh, let me start by saying, uh, this is fun because I, I don't know if you saw, but I did a thing recently on social media with the, the years sure. in music. And I went through, every year chronicling my top 20 from each year. And as much as I don't want to piss on 72, (laughs) to, to me, 72 was actually one of the weaker years of the early 70s. Like when I was doing those lists, 1970 was unbelievable. 71 was unbelievable. 73 was maybe the one of the greatest of all 73 time. 73 might be the, the, yeah, the, the biggest, yeah. And 74 well, okay. was where, where
3: I lived, Where I lived, which was Zimbabwe in Africa, we got everything a year later. Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: <Okay.
3: So> 72 <laughs> was 73 for me. Wow,
1: okay. But, I mean, that being said, obviously there's some tremendous stuff from 72. And, I mean, looking, I mean, literally... T- possibly two of the greatest prog albums of all time, which we'll talk about. Uh, Maybe even, uh, you know, there's even a third and a fourth that are up there in the all-time list as well. Uh, But that being said, you know, there wasn't a Zeppelin album this year. There wasn't, uh, you know, Yes had done Fragile and the S album the year before. They had, you know, two biggies in 71. Um, But in any case, let's talk about what is on the list. And my my, uh, first of my three picks is Probably what I assume Nick was alluding to earlier, uh, I assume, but I mean, this is obviously not Prague, but Deep Purple's Machine Head uh, is surely one of the greatest hard rock, uh, you know, early, you know, uh, prototype metal albums of all time. And this is just an absolute classic for its time. And, you know, I think it's Deep Purple's masterpiece. I mean, they've had, they've put out many great albums, but this is the one that I think that cemented them as one of the greatest hard rock bands of all time. And, and of course, the thing about Purple is they did have some prog elements, you know, they started doing kind of some symphonic stuff and uh, jazzy stuff. And when you think about what, you know, early prog was, it was that kind of melting pot of all those different styles. So they had hard rock, prog, symphonic, jazz, all thrown into this melting pot, and they were all such great musicians, you know, every one of them were so great on their instruments, so but anyway, this is, I mean, this album has all the classics, opens with Highway Star, yeah. one of the all-time classics, obviously, Smoke on the Water, one of the most iconic guitar riffs of all time, and and probably Deep Purple's most famous song of all time, but then it's got Lazy and Space Truckin', uh, Maybe I'm a Leo, every single one of these songs, is one yeah. of those albums where top to bottom it, it could you could rename this album deep purple's greatest hits and you know <laughs> and and that's and that, a lot of uh their live album made in japan was off of this tour so actually like when uh i, I picked a, a purple album for dream theater to cover in its entirety i picked made in japan because i really liked all of the improv and 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 the jamming and stuff that they did on that version. there you go but most of the songs on Made in Japan is the stuff from Machine Head. So I mean, this to me is their greatest studio album. And and Made in Japan is also an all time favorite. Agreed. And actually albums. Made in
0: Japan came out the same year too. So um
1: Actually I could have I guess I could have gone with that. I yeah. didn't realize that. Well that's yeah. a tough, tough decision. But I'll yeah. I'll stick with my choice. Yeah,
0: but that, I mean Machine Head is I mean, what a what an album. Even even it's gotta be amazing. amazing. Yeah.
3: Not even a maybe.
0: Yeah, Yeah, classic. completely. Uh, no, and, um, and how ridiculous that they were kept out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for so long. I mean, that's a whole other story. But I mean, making like that album is rock and roll. It invented it basically, you know, it's ridiculous.
1: And actually, we, I didn't even mention it, but the story of the making of this record is so incredibly cool. I mean, the song Smoke on the Water is about the making of this record where they right. they booked uh, the Rolling Stone mobile truck to record an album in in, uh, in Montreux, Switzerland and they were supposed to be recording it at the venue that burned down uh, from at a Frank Zappa concert. Frank Zappa and the mothers were playing at um, I guess the casino there and yep. somebody shot a flare gun and burned the place to the ground. And so yep. it, it, it it's immortalized in the song Smoke in the Water, but then it's this also the story of the making of this record where they actually had to rebook a different place. They booked uh, the Grand Hotel and moved yep. into this vacant vacated hotel and recorded it there which was so it's a really incredible story of the making of the record as well there's
2: a there's a brilliant um classic albums episode you know where they talk about it and you know there's those sorts of photographs and they say you know we talk about it you know a few red lights a few old beds you know they, for sound baffling, they used they just grab mattresses, you know, and literally like prop them up around the walls to do it because it was just this big empty building, you know. Amazing story, and
1: it's and it sounds great. I mean, I <laughs> the sound of this Aiden. record is like every instrument is so present and so punchy, and yeah. I think Roger Glover had a big part in in that. He always had a big part in their recording and their mixing and stuff. But yeah, it's it's a great sounding record, and of course,
3: special shout out to Ian Pace. What a drummer! one of
0: the best yeah yep uh cool jeff your second one
2: my second one um yeah you know we talk about uh, i mean mike talked about albums that you know the 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 sort of the three or four um most renowned in the world of prog and i think this one's probably one of those um jethro tull thick as a brick um and uh very much there it is yep the, the cover the newspaper and you know i mean i suppose thinking about it within there, there's another <laughs> one they're everywhere Mine's over here um
0: this one's got the newspaper <laughs> Am I, the only one I don't, I don't oh, have, I
3: have it on I
2: have, vinyl yet. yeah yeah, I, I, I have it as well yeah oh that's yeah. cool,
1: cool. You nice i mean i read
3: this thing cover to cover as a kid yeah
2: yeah but, i mean i think i think um you know what 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 can you say about it but i suppose you know we'll probably talk about some bands later where um ian anderson was reacting against some of the pretentiousness uh with within the music and uh, again he's probably another kind of anti you know antithesis of santana in terms of his kind of folky uh i suppose very british influences not just musically but also you know in the humor um kind of very Monty Python and, you know, the, the, the newspaper and all of those funny stories that are in there very much, you know, a a sort of a, a, lampoon parody album, but musically an incredibly complicated and clever album. And I mean, I was just playing it in the car on my ride home today and you know, the, the, how, how the themes are peppered throughout it are just incredible. And those little tiny, I think there's a, about probably about three or four minutes in the side two. The the kind of the opening thick as a brick kind of acoustic guitar thing kicks in, you know, but it's just got one extra note added. So it's not quite exactly the same. And all those little twists that when you when you've listened to it for a long number of years, you you still kind of hear little musical bits that that you hadn't noticed before um, really absorbing. And I mean, if you listen to the Tull's been another band that I've sort of worked through in the last couple of years and some of the earlier stuff that i wasn't so familiar with and like they were just making enormous leaps from album to album i mean musically what they're doing i mean even aqualung's a phenomenal album but musically the whole band had just completely upped their game to a, to a new level and of course the other famous thing about it being you know sidelong um you know compositions arguably one uh, one song, you know, and again, looking at the timeline of that, it was before Close to the Edge. It was before Supper's Ready. You know, it w- it was kind of something that was um yeah. quite quite challenging. It, it was, uh, uh,
1: I mean, it wasn't just side long, like you said. It was essentially one song that had to be broken up had to be split, but had to be split. And I think that's the first time it was done. I mean, it was done a year later by uh, Mike Oldfield, Mike Oldfield with Tubular Bells. Yep. But uh, as far as I know, Thickets of Brick and Tubular Bells were the first albums to do that. Yeah. One, like and, essentially and, one song.
3: What an opening to it. Uh, really don't mind if you sit this one out. Your words, yeah. but it's so a memorable for darkness darkness forever. Shout. Yeah. But everybody did listen, right? And and it, it was so ironic. Uh, uh, Got to say something about Barrymore Barlow's play oh, on yeah. that album as well. So While good. he took it to another level.
1: Absolutely.
2: And every, 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 all the playing on it is just, is, 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 is fantastic. And, um, obviously, you know, a band that probably, I, I think that's, that's probably a peak for them. Uh, uh, you know, they, they did lots of different stuff after afterwards and, and it was, it was good, but, uh, that kind of, that kind of just was very much the, the, the ascendancy, um, of Tull. So yeah, brilliant.
0: Yep, another one that had to be there, an all-time all-time classic. Uh, cool. Nick, your next one. Okay, so this is kind of two-in-one.
3: Um, one of my favorite bands out of Italy, Premiata Forneria Marconi, or PFM, as they are known. Now, the reason why I'm holding up two covers here, one vinyl and one CD, um, is, is, is because this was essentially one project. Now, um, uh, we can honor uh, PFM's... Uh, mother tongue and, and go with the italian version which is per un amico um but it really would make very little difference because the english version is called photos of ghosts and largely um, photos of ghosts has uh, uh english lyric versions of largely the same songs as per un amico with the exception of course of celebration which was their biggest hit now as 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 most Praguers know pfm were Discovered and signed by by uh, Greg Lake to to ELP's Manticore label, um, and uh per and Amico* is regarded as a, a classic <coughs> of Italian prog and deservedly so. Um, *Photos of Ghosts*, similarly, um, I, I, I think I think that uh, for those who like melodic melodic prog, these are pretty much essential albums to listen to. Um, and uh, the, just just to mention the lineup uh, of these musicians: uh, Franco Mercida on on vocals uh, and, and guitars, Flavio Primoli on keyboards, Mauro Pagani flute, piccolo, violin, uh, Giorgio Piazza bass, vocals, Franz Tichiochio. The, the, these guys were largely classically trained musicians, and, and many of them still playing today, um, even though they're they're well advanced into their years. But uh, PFM still going, um, uh, in my opinion, they hold uh, a place in the pantheon of, of, of prog gods. Um, and uh, those two albums from 1972 really set them on their path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they still, they still put out records and, uh, and do, uh, release two versions. The last
1: couple have been English yeah. and uh italian it's pretty interesting they killed him on cruise to the edge. it's pretty interesting that for an italian band to have made uh an impact in 72 because it's like when i was putting all these lists together every every year it was pretty much always like american bands or english bands you know everybody's kind of the, very rarely you'd hear something coming out of italy or germany or sweden obviously now it's the norm you know you, right. you get bands from all over the world that could become popular, but back in '72, for you know, for a Prague audience, uh, in you know, for them to find a Prague audience coming out of Italy, that's a that was a pretty good, pretty big achievement. Yeah. I mean, everybody. If you look at all the Prague albums, '71, '72, '73, '74, they're all English bands. Pretty much right. every one of them was from England.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah heavily dominated. Even this list is going to be mostly British. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll jump uh to my second one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is another one that ranks up there with, with some of the big records, uh, Emerson and Palmer trilogy, uh, which, uh, came out in the summer of 72, July 6th. Um, you know, their third album followed, uh, uh, Tarkus, which is, uh, uh, you know, another groundbreaking record, um, and, uh, has one of their biggest hits on it from the beginning, which is, you know, one of my favorite songs and, and just a, a really great acoustic song and has that cool you know, Moog solo and everything. I mean, just awesome stuff. Um, but features, I mean, a lot of classics, Endless <laughs> Enigma, um, The Sheriff with the killer drum opening by Carl Palmer, which is awesome. Um, uh, Trilogy is a, a, an amazing song. I was listening to it recently again to, you know, refresh myself a little bit with it. And it it's amazing how the sound of what they were doing without an electric guitar, you know, uh it's it's really almost like a metal record a lot of times the way they play the power uh from keith emerson and carl palmer and then you know also greg lake but the power that that trio could do with what the the limited instruments that they were providing was so heavy and so loud and uh epic i think it's just killer it's a killer album um and i think one of their best ones
3: from the beginning what a song
0: yeah, that's covered all the time, right? I mean, it's just one of those songs that everybody plays, and um, and I always thought that it has that similar similar opening to Roundabout, right? Just like that yeah. that one note right in the beginning, you're like, wait, which song is it for like half a second until uh, until it keeps keeps going. And
1: I I always wondered which came first. I mean, I know Fragile was released first, but I've always wondered which was recorded first. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's very similar. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's amazing, mm-hmm. um, but I think uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a solid solid record. Oh, and it has a, an artwork by Hypnosis, which you know was the, the guys doing all those crazy uh, covers along with Roger Dean in, in the seventies. So, um, just another legendary record. I think belongs up yeah. here. Which ELP record do you guys favor, though?
1: Brain Salad's my favorite.
0: Yeah, I like Brain Salad too. Cover like that that album cover is the best. It's just the greatest. <laughs> one of the most iconic album covers.
2: I have to say, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of the of the very very first one. Um, particularly, take a pebble. I think I just love that kind of the the piano in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I think there's something. Yeah, there's something quite sort of. Uh, Bit more, a bit less over the top about about the first album but I love pictures of an exhibition too it just it, it start to finish is 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 brilliant as well
3: who yeah. else would take on Mazorski <laughs> right i mean except keith emerson
2: i was going to say love beach there and then <laughs> <stop> <laughs> Just to be contrary.
0: The
3: words that shall not be mentioned. It's
0: really one of the most amazing turns of a band, right? To go from these records to that. Even even if you don't listen to that album,
1: just looking at the album covers. Uh,
2: Yeah, I think I think if with a different cover, it might have been perceived very differently as well. Just. I I don't
1: think I ever listened to the album. I saw the cover. I was like, (laughs) all right. Next. It's like, what is happening here? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Mike Mike it, it, it might delay
3: your recovery. Don't.
1: Yeah. Uh all right, Mike. You're next. All right. My my next one. Um, well, actually, it's it's in my top five albums of all time. Um, but I'm pushing it into my number two position for purposes of this conversation because it's the Prague Report. And I think uh I wanted to leave, leave number one for something that more universally love. So I'm going to put, knock this to the number two position for purposes of this discussion, but this is in my top five of all time, right? Always Ziggy Stardust or well, Ziggy Stardust, but it's really the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars, probably the longest album title (laughs) uh, at that time. This is uh, a perfect album. I, I, from, from the opening of five years to the closing of Rock and Roll's suicide, I mean, it, it has everything. Every song on this album is pure perfection. And how many albums do you have where you have four songs with the word star in it? Is that right? <laughs> star, Starman, Starman, Lady Stardust, Star. And Ziggy Stardust, <laughs> yep. but I mean, every song on here is just so amazing. I mean, I loved Hunky Dory before this, and it's funny because my two favorite Bowie songs of all time don't appear on here. Life on <laughs> Mars was on Hunky Dory, and yep. uh, and Space Oddity was obviously uh, you know on his uh, the, the the this Space Oddity album. But regardless, I mean, every song on here is a classic. I've covered three different songs from this album with three different bands i covered moon age daydream with the winery dogs mm-hmm. i covered uh suffragette city with metal allegiance and then mm-hmm. rock and roll suicide with with neil and randy right. but uh i mean this band what a band mick ronson on guitar and then trevor boulder on bass and mick Woodmansey on drums who's the only one still left because uh, obviously bowie and and mick and trevor are no longer yeah. with us but uh just just a perfect 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 album and I, I remember hearing this around when it came out. My dad turned me on to this when I was a kid. And it, it was my favorite album from back then, from when I was a child, all the way up to this day. So Bowie's Ziggy Stardust, an absolute perfect album as far as I'm yeah. concerned. And I, a bad, I, bad I, glare I, as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? I think
0: one most Prague fans like and, you know, and has influenced them. I mean, it's it it's not yes or Genesis Prague, but right. it but the but the thought behind it and you know everything that went into it it's very it is it, it fits that progressive mold, I think, which is why we all like it.
1: Well he was progressive uh not not necessarily musically but in terms of just forward thinking and yeah. reinventing himself. you know, he touched upon it with hunky Dory, but then he knocked it out of the park with this. and one last thing but we should probably if anybody else wants to talk about it, it's such a great album but my dad had told me the story story where he saw Bowie. Uh, it was like maybe the last night on the Ziggy tour. I think it was maybe either the Fillmore or Radio City Music Hall or whatever. And he told me the story of at the end of Rock and Roll Suicide, uh, you know, give me your hands. And all of a sudden, somebody came out from the audience and ran up on stage and stabbed him. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the curtain just dropped and the lights went on and the entire audience the thought that Bowie was just assassinated on stage, <laughs> wow. and it, yeah, obviously it was just being theatrical. But man, what can you imagine
2: yeah. the wow. theatrics
1: of seeing that? My dad told me that story, and it blew my mind. That's uh, it is. It's, it's, when this it's, album it's, came
3: up, I, I actually, I actually bought into the whole fantasy. I, I, for a while there, as a fourteen-year-old, I honestly believed that this guy David Bowie was an alien right. <laughs> <laughs> He had come to Earth and released this magical music that nobody had ever heard before.
1: Right. Well, nobody else was doing the androgynous stuff yet either. Like, uh, I mean, Iggy Pop and and Lou Reed, and they all kind of Mick Jagger, they all kind of toyed with it, but Bowie, I think, was the first one. To really come out like that and look like a like an alien, you weren't sure if he was male or female or or you know a human or what.
2: I mean, it's practically a concept album as well, with without a you know the 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 start right through to the you talked about the rock and roll suicide, you know, ending what uh, a brilliant album uh, ending and all kind of the star theme through through it, but just I, I love I love the whole you know story behind it how you know, most of the time, you know, Bowie, you know, w- w- wrote the songs on There's, They talk about this, you know, 12 string guitar that had kind of five strings broken on it and he kind of sort of bashed it out or, you know, very, you know, played it very rudimentary on a piano and then, you know, Rick Wakeman or Mike Garson or Ronson, you know, took it and, and, and turned <laughs> it into this stuff. You know, the, the very, very pure songwriting, um, you know, combined with the, the, the whole vision and visuals and the cover and, you know, everything like that. It just, the, the, there really was nobody like him at the time that that brought that whole sort of multimedia um, yeah. approach to music. But now we just, we just take it as the norm, you know? And then he did it all again differently in three years and three years later did it all differently. And yeah, yeah, sadly and, and missed.
3: And who else would have produced a final album like Bowie did? Yeah. Um, which was in many, in many respects autobiographical. You know? mm. Just astounding, an astoundingly original talent.
0: Yep. All right, last round. Uh Jeff, you kick us off.
2: Okay, my last choice. Um Pink Floyd Obscured by Clouds. Wow. An album that I really, really like, and I'm gonna tell you why. I mean, obviously, Pink Floyd have kind of there's nearly sort of two stratas of their catalog. There's the kind of the, the main albums, and then there's there's this, you know, virtually every other album for, for a while was a, a soundtrack of some sort. And we've noticed actually, you know, uh, PFM had two albums, uh, Gentle Giant had two albums. You know, this, I I looked this up. So so they made this, you know, while they were working on Dark Side of the Moon. um, They had they did two trips to France to record it and they, they did a Japanese tour in between. <laughs> um, and, you know, because it was for a movie, they said, well, they didn't feel that they had to make complete songs because they knew it would be cut up and used to match scenes and stuff like that or faded out. out. Um, and then they fell out with the film director. Um, and, and which was why actually it's at it, the film thinks It's called La Vallee. And, um, so they gave it a, 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 a different title. Um, but recorded and and I think I imagine when we get our, our honorable mentions we, we might touch on a on a, a common link but recorded in Chateau Herrouville in France. Um, no one has the Honky Chateau, Elton John's 1972 album Honky Chateau recorded there. Jethro Tull recorded a pile of stuff there in 73. Bowie recorded most of pinups there. The BGS recorded parts of Saturday Night Fever there. Rainbow recorded part of Long Live Rock and Roll. Sweet, level-headed Fleetwood Mac Mirage. <laughs> oh, bless you. Good um, bless you. MSG, Michael Schenker, Assault Attack, so many amazing albums. And what appears to be this really pretty horrible, <laughs> horrible house in France. Um, and, you know, the album is, I mean, again, it probably couldn't be more Well, in places more opposite than kind of Dark Side of the Moon, because there's kind of some country type influences, there's kicks off with two instrumentals, which themselves are, I suppose, quite experimental. And probably the last time that, you know, that they were sort of thread through from the very early Pink Floyd coming through. Um, And this great um, sort of run of then four songs that I think are really, really good. What's the deal Uh, or what's the other deal. Um, Childhood's End um, uh, Dave Gilmore's song I think it was the last lyric that he wrote until Momentary Lapse of Reason uh, Free Four from Roger Waters which kind of is about his or again talks about his dad uh, dying in the war which obviously came up years later and then Stay a Richard Wright song you know it was probably around about the last time that, that each of them was sort of contributing kind of whole songs before Roger sort of um edged his way in i i it was again for just i suppose from listening to music growing up before the internet um you know it was just a pink floyd album i didn't know where it fitted in the history i probably heard it before some of the more famous albums um really really enjoyed it and um saw david gilmore probably early 2000s and he did um he did uh, Childhood's End and What's the Deal in that show and that, you know, two oh, wow. songs, absolutely fantastic live. And I think Nick Mason's band that I'm seeing in about two weeks do quite a lot of this stuff as well. So, yeah, I, I love Obscured by Clouds. It's clearly not Dark Side of the Moon or Wish You Were Here or da 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 but, you know, it's a really strong album.
0: Okay. Yeah, agree. Yeah,
3: that, that one escaped me, I must be honest, because, because I only got into Floyd with Dark Side of the Moon and then I got consumed by Wish You Were Here. And I, I, kind yeah, of I mean the stuff that crossed, comes like obscured so, by clouds, you know. There was so level. much other good music
0: in that year. Yeah. I've got to go back and revisit it. Yeah, I do. Um all right, Nick, you want to jump in? Next one. Yeah, so I'm gonna
3: move back to the UK uh for this one. And I guess it speaks volumes that that I have the CD and the vinyl. Um this uh is one of my favorite bands growing up. Um, probably not as well known to our American audience as they are to our European audience or our British audience, um, and the band is Wishbone Ash, and the album is Argus, uh, released in May 1972. Now this one really defined my my teenage years. Um, uh, it changed everything for me. Uh, I really couldn't believe the quality of this music when I when I heard it, and 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 still I've. I, I find it a little hard to believe to this day. They, as far as I know, together with Thin Lizzy, invented the twin guitar harmony lead solo sound that it, that that was so predominant in, in in their overall sound and still is to this day. Um, and uh, people like Steve Harris from Iron Maiden cite them as as one of his influences, and um, rightly so. Fabulous bass player in in Martin Turner, a great lead guitarist in Andy Powell, um, uh, uh, Ted Turner on second guitar, no relation to Martin Turner, and one of my favorite drummers, unsung, but but really an extremely tasteful drummer, Steve Upton. And um this this album, just from beginning to end, is ceaselessly excellent. It does not stop. Impressing from the from the opening note all the way through to the to, to the final big ending of the album, loose concept, I suppose. I mean, you can see it's got a kind of a proggy feel to to, to Darth the Vader. music, music group. <laughs> <laughs> they they
1: invented they invented Darth Vader before George yeah. Lucas did. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah,
3: exactly, right. exactly. Um, and I, I I just I just think that, that this is one of one of the finest albums of all time. And I, I really encourage our American audience to to give this band a listen. Wishbone ash and the album is Argus. You won't be Well disappointed. I'm
0: gonna get a chance to see them on the Cruise to the Edge, which uh, there you go. I've never, I've never seen go. them live or before, so some, some of be. of so, them. so this Who's... is now an
3: admission that they are in fact not prog adjacent, but at least partially prog. And this is their progiest album, folks.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one that I need to be a, a bit more familiar with. I got to study up on them a little bit to, to that's, for the cruise. That's my favorite oh, so album. You, is.
3: Uh, sorry Absolutely. to interrupt. Like, if if you want to study up on them, this is a good book. To read i don't know if you can see that roy okay um yeah. <laughs> th- there's also an autobiography by martin turner now there was Mike an is, acrimonious next to <laughs> split i gotta tell you there, there, right. there, there was a split there's martin turner's wishbone ash and there is andy powell's wishbone ash who are called wishbone ash who, who both tour but they all play songs from this album because do we n- do we
1: know which ones on cruise to the edge oh do I, you know uh, no, yes, I, I, I don't powell's. know
3: actually it's it's Wishbone Ash who are Andy Powell's version. It's not
0: Martin okay. Turner's Wishbone Ash. Yeah. Cool, wonderful. Like, uh, like, well, like, uh, it, what other uh, what other band does that? Sweet, right? They have the two touring bands. Yeah. Wouldn't be uh, wouldn't
2: be a, wouldn't be a good program without a without a split and a, f- a few member changes. Let's face it. Without we'll a lot of <laughs> bit of controversy, right. right?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, cool. All right. So uh, my last one, I think, is uh, is after I think Mike was referring to one of the bigger uh- ones on.
1: I think we could all predict what these last two are going to be, right? Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I'll go with the Genesis Foxtrot, obviously. Um, their fourth album came out in October uh, with the Fox head on the cover. And they, there you go. Um, I mean, look, we've covered this album in so, so many different ways on the podcast or on the website. We did a, a perfect album podcast recently where this was one of my picks for perfect album. Um, I mean, I think it's possibly my favorite Genesis record. It's always tough to pick, but it's a flawless record. You know, Watcher of the Skies, Supper's Ready, um, a, a lot of great songs in between those two. I mean, uh, Canyon Tilly and Coastliners, that's one I love. Timetable is great. Um, Get them out by Friday. It, it, it's just a phenomenal record. Um, you know, stuff like, you know, you can break down Supper's Ready even further. The Willow's Farm part and the Apocalypse 98 and just gabriel singing they were peaking at this moment this is just when everything was coming together nursery crime kind of started that and on this album they really just became um you know the incredible band and then i guess at the end of this tour is is the story where P- peter gabriel snuck the the fox's head outfit onto the onto the stage without telling the band and then that's that became a whole kind of you know thing where where he started to become more uh the, the you know people thought he was genesis and he was the one writing all the songs i like could kind of stemmed from a lot of this i think but um you know we all know this record we all love this record what, what else is there to say
2: the, the the i do have to say the fox's head happened in dublin in ireland oh, we, claim, right. we claim, we claim <laughs> that one and the first live performance of stairway to heaven couple of years later you guys
3: Uh, cause a lot of trouble yeah we saw
2: yeah and and, i mean i think probably thinking about ireland in in 1972 it probably wasn't the place to come on stage in a dress with a fox head on in in a show in a dublin i think i believe it was in a like a what was a kind of boxing boxing stadium yeah but i mean what what an album and and really you know um yeah i mean there's just so much happening and again another one i mean i i love nursery crime but again it's it's the it's another leap you know um bands just kind of in relatively short spaces of time incrementally kind of you know getting better and better and better and um and, and arguably genesis trajectory you know certainly selling on and on the lamb you know it, it just kept it kept going um on and on yeah
0: up and, up until uh a week ago when they played their last show and uh and, and peter i was, I was, was it, in the audience and uh, you know everybody wanted him to come on stage and play but uh, you know of course that wasn't to be um what are you well, do? i think but
2: I, I was i was listening to it and going you know like peter gabriel he is one of those mean he's incredibly distinctive singer but at times you know you know he's one of those people who fits in the category of he's he's not a brilliant singer but he's the perfect singer if you know what i mean you know there's times certainly in the live stuff where kind of is you know he's a bit you know his voice is kind of cracking and stuff like that but just the sheer performance and uh, you know the emotion and everything in it um you know if you listen even the apocalypse part of Supper's Ready. if you listen to you know his vocal is not a brilliantly, perfectly executed vocal, but it's perfect for, uh, for yeah. for that for that song. You know,
3: who else? Who else could have done it? Maybe Phil.
0: <laughs>
3: I mean, yeah. this I mean, te- te- I mean, technically, so I think
1: Phil is probably technically a better singer, yeah. uh, cl- cleaner, maybe a bit bigger range. But like you said, I mean, Gabriel's personality and it just—it it was that's that's what it was all about. You could say the same mm-hmm. thing about Fish versus Steve Hogarth. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said for the personality and the person that's writing and the person that's delivering it. But what an album. I mean, this to me was the first of the the Holy Trinity for Genesis for me. The Foxtrot mm-hmm. selling England and the Lamb. To me, that's yep. it. But yep. this would be my favorite. Oh, well, it's I, it's hard. I, from day to day, that switches for me. But <laughs> yeah. what, what a legendary classic. One of the great prog albums of all time.
0: Yep. Leading us up to... <laughs> yours
1: well i mean this is why i, I asked to switch positions because we couldn't have had this album and then followed it with three more i mean everybody knows right. what's coming this is it this is the quintessential maybe the greatest Prague album of all time surely one of my favorite Prague albums of all time mm. it, it is it is everything that uh that Prague is all about it's a perfect perfect album and they to me they i have a uh my holy trinity with them, and this is the the way Genesis uh, Foxtrot was the first of their holy trinity. For me, this is the third in the holy trinity. For me, it's a yes album, Fragile, and this. Yeah. And uh, I mean, three songs. Uh, you know, starts with the sidelong, uh, close to the edge, which you know is up there as one of the greatest prog pieces ever written, along with Supper's Ready uh, from Fo- Foxtrot. But then side two, and You and I, and Siberian Catrue. I mean, it's all three songs. Our perfection mm. and uh, this is that lineup which only made two albums back then. You know, once Rick Wakeman joined the band, uh, they only made two albums with you know Anderson Squire, Howe Wakeman, and and uh, Bruford. Uh, after Bruford left after this album, so there was only two albums with that lineup. But this is this is it. I mean, to me, it's the greatest prog album of all time. You know, if there's anything that needs to represent this genre, that's that's the album for me.
0: Yeah, it covers it all in three songs. <laughs> I, I, would just, I would just like to say one
3: thing, Mike, uh, and this is a personal thank you to you. Um, one of the finest musical moments of my life was having the privilege of being in the audience on Progressive Nation at Sea in 2014 when you guys covered and you and I with John Anderson. Incredible. Still to this day, that moment brings me to tears. Right. And I just want to- Me you too.
1: Down. Oh man, well, believe me, that was our pleasure. You know, it was uh, such an honor. We uh, Transatlantic had covered in you and I for the bonus disc of Kaleidoscope. Mm -hmm. So when when we uh, decided we were going to do a a whole yes set with John Anderson on Progressive Nation, my first my first suggestion to John was, can we just do the whole all the whole cruise uh, the whole Close to the Edge album, all three songs? You know, we knew we were going to do in you and I. It's like let's just do the other two as well and. He didn't want to he wanted to play it safe and do the the, the easier songs oh we'll do well that was already <laughs> well, that's playing it safe wow. well, he, he said well. no let's let's just do starship trooper and long distance Runaround, around the ones that everybody knows and then you know I, i've told this story before right about you know a month later i get a phone call from him I woke up from a dream thinking we should do side one of topographic ocean. So you went from one extreme that. to the other, but yeah, doing, doing and you and I, which to me is one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Everything from the, the big. Wah, 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 the, the opening the live version with that theme. And I mean, it's yeah. goosebumps. And for us to have done it with John Anderson singing under beautifully lit sky, you know, closing out the progressive nation cruise, it, it it could not yeah, have been a more perfect we we've,
0: we've uh, you've played in uh, hundreds of incredible gigs and we've been at uh, uh, some incredible moments just over the last 5 to 10 years with all the stuff that's happened that still ranks up there as maybe the top thing that last night yeah. because you got to remember leading up to that performance of you got your transatlantic set and then the john anderson set right before that was neil reuniting with spock's beard in theater you know doing like the light or what i think was it the light Mm -hmm. in june i think they did and uh and so it was just those things together in one night it was just peak prog yeah (laughs)
3: Yeah, it was
0: pretty crazy you know we're we're spoiled since then i mean really
2: uh, it's a a, it's an it's an amazing album and um I just, yeah, it, it's hard to know what to even say about it. But the, the 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 thing that always amazes me is about that after having made it, Bill Bruford decided I'm going to quit the band, <laughs> you know, and they didn't even didn't even tour it. Um, but we were talking about him and our 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 prog a to z and, and saying, you know, he, he 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 probably made decisions on very very purely musical grounds so many times, which commercially just kind of you would go wow you wouldn't have gone and toured that and kind of
1: did they cashed did in. did they not play with bruford at all after ne- the summit so no. bruford never performed these songs live he never performed back it then, live back then
2: until anderson bruford wakeman high was the wow. first t- was the first time that he played hmm. uh close to the edge and and you, wow. and, you and
1: i yeah yeah amazing yeah. Well, I mean, you—you you, you, on one hand you say he's crazy, but on the other hand he went and joined Crimson, yeah. and then and then toured with Genesis, and then yeah, he formed, did it all. You know, formed UK, so yeah, you know, it's one of those. Uh, well, I was—I like,
2: was telling the guys I, I just got a, a copy to review of this box set of six CDs of, you know, on disc one. All, all good people heart of the sunrise and you and i the great deceiver fracture starless one more red nightmare and never more you know and that's disc one wow. <laughs> it's pretty crazy.
1: I, there's a there is if you can look on youtube there's um isolated tracks of just bruford and squire doing yeah. these three songs and you realize one of the greatest rhythm sections of all time i yeah. mean as far as i'm concerned you know bruford and squire uh, you know, Getty and Neil, but you know, you listen to those isolated tracks of the two of them, and it's just unbelievable. It's on another level. Incredible.
0: Yeah. uh There's a, a lot of honorable mentions, things we didn't cover, things that maybe aren't as proggy, but still, you know, legendary. Mike, you can tell me where I missed some of these. I'm just going to rattle some off. But Focus, Focus uh Three, Moody Blues, Seven Sojourn, The Sticks debut album, uh Todd Rundgren, Something Anything, which is one of his big records. Yep. Uh yeah, you're right, Heap, Demons and Wizards, um Black Sabbath Volume Four, El- Elton, Honky Chateau. <laughs> uh the uh well the debut from Roxy Music and uh Rolling Stones, Exile on Main, Main Street, another classic. So Wait, the there's one Patton. there's
1: one more, you're missing one more. What was the other one? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we can't forget that one. Come on. Because this is, you know, this now has worked its way into the frog circles <laughs> because of uh, you know, our, our cover Because update, of so. you. Yeah. That's right. Pretty oh, nice. wait, an ELO you know this EO, one.
0: ELO debut what? album was uh seventy uh, seventy two. I can't I can't see Path, it, Nick.
2: Pathfinder. Pathfinder?
3: That's a Pathfinder by by Biggers Opera? I'm not familiar
1: to be honest. No. yeah
3: they, they, it they, me they did a version of MacArthur Park. Oh wow! Uh, oh,
1: did they? I, I thought and... I thought only Donna Summer and the Neil Morse band ever did that. No. Um. yeah. And then
3: of course, Yellow album was seventy. And then of course, probably yeah. probably the best album of all in nineteen seventy two was by Monty Python. <laughs>
1: uh, I'll I'll throw out a few more honorable mentions yeah. that you didn't mention. Uh, uh, the ca- first Captain Beyond album was great. That was uh. Uh, a little proggy in its way that was kind of mixing prog with Deep Purple that was uh, was it Rod Evans from Deep Purple and mm-hmm. uh, but I love that first Captain Beyond album and then also uh, Alice Cooper's School's Out which was a bit of yes, a, a a bit of a, a concept album as well for him And uh, but yeah Black Sabbath Volume 4 is a favorite from that year as well that you mentioned yeah it's the year of the there.
2: reflective album covers yeah oh, sorry
0: <laughs> cool
3: stuff these these are all originals from 1973
1: in my case my original vinyl I I guess I should have pulled it out my school's out I have my original one from when I was a kid in the 70s I was draw I drew on it like because it's (laughs) the cover is a a school desk where you know with all different graffiti on it and mine has like my initials and everything on it so I defaced (laughs) mine with with uh like as if it was a school desk
0: that's great. Well, we'll have to do the uh, we'll maybe, have to do this again next year for uh, for the seventy three. Oh, but you know what? We should acknowledge that it's also this year, uh, the thirtieth anniversary of Images and Words. Um,
1: wow, so thirty pretty, years!
0: Pretty big uh, anniversary there as well.
1: Yeah, um, congratulations! So. Well, thank you. Congratulations! Time yeah, is flying. You. Yeah, <laughs> right. But let's definitely do this again next year because seventy three but- was i think one of the greatest years of uh in the history yeah. of rock not just yeah, prog well, rock yeah. but rock you know
2: i just got this the other day the new uh sonic bond yeah have a, a book 1973 the golden year of progressive rock so uh i can do it do my homework on that for when we do do it this time next year and the list of it is 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 amazing
1: oh it's incredible, really phenomenal. incredible. Yeah. yeah very cool and, and and you gotta say i guess uh you know all of these amazing albums that came out in 73 were being made in 72. So the, all right. of those albums we'll talk about next year were actually being written and recorded 50 years ago this year. Yeah. Right. You know. true.
0: right. Yeah. Amazing time. Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, always good to catch up, man. We'll see you soon. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't know when we'll put this one out, if it's next week or maybe the week after you might already be on tour. Um, but, uh, either way, uh, transatlantic is, uh, is going to be out there. Visit, I guess, com for dates and, and also on my Portnoy's socials, uh, everything is out there and, um, you know, don't miss a chance to, to see him somewhere. Um, and then, uh, keep an eye out for the surprise, uh, whatever it is in the next coming months. Oh,
1: you're going to be disappointed. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just just forget. I even said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Hey. See you later. Good night. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Hi
3: everyone. Soon.
1: Good night. Thank you guys. Yeah, man. See you soon. Bye. Bye, Mike.